Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. We've been in our series, Heart for the House. Have you been enjoying this series? We're talking about giving of our time, our talent, our treasure to God's house and what that means. And when I say the word church, someone say church. Most people think it's a building we go to, and we use that expression a lot. We're going to church, right? And I get that, but um, church is so much more than Sundays, right? Uh, It's so much more than just brick and mortar and concrete. Um, It's a place to belong. It's a place to connect. Oh, I hope you feel that here. That's why many of you are here. You've, you walked through these doors and you heard those words, welcome home, welcome home. Can I tell you that there's probably not a week that goes by, maybe there is a week, but people come up to me and say, the moment I stepped on this property, someone in the parking team or someone greeting at the doors told me welcome home and it was the very words that I needed to hear because I felt like I haven't had a home. And so I just want to tell you that. So church, it's a place to connect. It's a place of community, and it's a place of spiritual growth. It's a body of like-minded people that are on a journey to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? In this series, we're all being nudged a little bit. Uh, We're being reminded of the purpose of having a heart for God's house. Um, God's church doesn't have a vision. God's church is the vision. God had a vision and he said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use the local church to change the world. And I'm going to use the people that make up that church to be my hands and feet. And I firmly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. So many people right now feeling hopeless, searching for hope, and we have the answer, church. Can I get a good amen right there? This is God's vision. It was his church. It was birthed in Acts. The first church was birthed there, and his vision was to reach hurting, broken, lost people. And that's what our mission has been, people that are broken, This is the purpose of the church, to reach them, to help them, to restore them. We don't run from broken people. We run to broken people. That's what this church is about, and that's what this church will always be about. Amen? So we need a vision for our lives. Someone say vision. God had a vision, and it it is the church. Um, And we need a vision for our lives, and not just any vision. We need God's vision for our life. Look at Proverbs 29, 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, what do they do? They stumble all over themselves. The King James says, without vision, people, they perish. They perish. But when they attend to what he reveals, who reveals? What God reveals. The vision for your life. That's when they are most what? I, I, I don't know anybody in here who says, I just got too many blessings in my life. Stop it, God. Come on. Anybody need some more blessings in your life? Anybody need God to show up? Come on, in your life. Just me? 
I got both hands and a leg up. Come on, somebody. Yeah. If people can't see, if, if people don't have vision, they, they stumble. Someone say stumble. They, they, they stumble all over themselves. Now, the NIV reads it this way. If you don't have a vision, you'll cast off restraint. You'll cast off restraint, meaning you really don't care how you live your life. You really don't care how you live your life. You'll just live however if you don't have a vision, if you don't know God's vision for your life. You'll stumble. You'll cast off restraint. Could it be that the mess of your life really isn't about the mess? It's just the fact that you don't have something greater to run to when the mess shows up. Are you with me today? Did you eat too much stuffing? My mom, real quick, made the, makes the best stuffing ever. And I know it's the 10 o'clock. I usually talk about food a lot at the 1 o'clock because by then I'm hungry, right? So sometimes they get a shorter service because I'm ready to go eat my steak. But uh, my mama threw down and I had one, two, three, four helpings of it. Thank you very much. Don't judge me. You don't know my journey. You do not know my journey. I had my stretchy pants on all day. How many just wore your sweatpants all day? Thanksgiving? Yep. Come on, somebody. Testify. And so if we don't have a vision, we don't know who to run to when life throws us a curveball. Has anybody had a curveball thrown to them this year? <laughs> 2020, the year that lasted five years. Um, so so many people, they're, they're stumbling around themselves. Um, have you ever walked into a dark room and stumbled and hit something? Because there was no light, there was no vit, you could not see. You could not see. And that's what the scripture is telling us. Without a vision, without knowing the direction you're going in your life, you're going to stumble all over yourself. You're going to cast off restraint. You're just going to live however you want. And I think many people, even in the church, are living that kind of life. They love God, but they don't have a vision. What, what it, where is God leading us? And they're, they're always stumbling. So I came to remind you today about God's vision for your life and really the mission that we have for each of you here today. And you've, if you've been around here, you've heard this mission, and I'm going to keep saying it. Um, when we were in Bible college, there were, we, we knew a hundred different ways to make Raymond noodles. How many were in college? Um, you learn real quick how to get creative with that little 39-cent packet of noodles. Come on, I, one, guy, one guy would make them for breakfast. He put syrup on them. Another guy would make spaghetti out of them. Another guy would make it on a sandwich with an egg. I don't know. There was all kinds of ways. When you in college and you, you broke, come on, somebody. You shopping at you know Aldi. Come on now. That's where I shopped. I worked there too. Oh, I didn't have mom and dad saying, you got $2,000 for food this month. No, I didn't have that. I had to work when I was in college, and I ate Raymond noodles. So a um, hundred ways to, to, to eat Raymond noodles, but I'm just going to keep saying the vision just in different ways because sooner or later, all of us are going to catch it, right? Because if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say the vision that this house has, and really God's vision for your life, it's found throughout the Old and New Testament. We find God going back to these four things, four things. Four things that God has ever wanted from his people. And it's this. Throughout the Bible, we see he wants us to know him. Someone say, know God. He wants us to know him personally in an intimate way. You don't have to go through me to know God. Come on now. You can know God personally. You can call upon his name personally. He wants us to find freedom. Someone say, find freedom. 
There's some things in our past that are holding us back. There's some baggage that we all deal with, hurts, hangups, and habits, and we need to find some freedom from our past so we can then discover our purpose. How many know that you've got a purpose? You've got a purpose. Two great days in your life, the day you were born, the day you discover why you were born. Discover your purpose. Why? So we can make a difference. These are the four things that God talks about throughout the Old and New Testament that he wants for his people. And these are the four things that we hang our hat on around here. We want you to make a difference. Do something in your life that matters. This is God's vision for your life. If you don't follow God's vision for your life, if you don't follow the vision that he's laid out, you'll fall for the earthly counterfeit. And in this season, many of us have been tempted and maybe have fallen for the earthly counterfeit, and we have settled. Look at this. If you don't follow God's vision, you'll follow the earthly counterfeit, which is no me. (laughs) It's all about me. It's a selfie world. Come on now. How many selfies do we need to take before we get it right? Come on, the young people, they'll take a hundred pictures and just take one, and then they'll put filter and filter and filter. Anyway, we live in a selfie world, very self-centered. So if you don't follow God's vision, you're going to follow the culture's vision which is just know me. It's all about self. It's all about me, myself. I'm going to take care of me. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. And then you'll want to find fame. You'll want to be famous, right? Thinking that that will make you happy. If I can just be known, then I will have fulfillment. Or if I could discover a platform, if I could just, if I could make my name great, then I'll be happy in life. Or A lot of us want to just make a dollar. So this is the earthly counterfeit. Know me. Find fame. Discover a platform. Make a dollar. And uh, some of those in itself are not wrong, but when we put them above God, they can become wrong because all of us need to work to provide for our families. Amen. I mean, how many know the mortgage just showed up again? They didn't stop sending the light bill. Come on now. The furnace, the furnace bill. Anyway, all that's going to show up. So we need to make a dollar. We need, we need to work, but that's not going to be who we worship. We're not going to put that before God. And a lot of people have put the almighty dollar before the almighty God. And that's not God's best for your life. So, so if, if you don't follow God's vision, you'll follow this vision. And I know many Christians, they are saved, they love God, but they're following this earthly counterfeit. I've been there. I've followed it, right? I've followed it in my life at times. And so let's build upon this today, and let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. This will be kind of our text today, and I'll give you a few thoughts and and, uh, get you out of here. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as, as your Lord, you must what? Continue. How, how many have accepted Jesus as your Lord? If you haven't, there'll be an opportunity at the conclusion, but most of us haven't here. So as you have accepted him, um, that's the starting point. Hello? That's not the ending point. Now we don't, no, no, that's the starting line, right? Now we must continue. We must continue to follow him let your roots, I love how Paul writes this, grow down deep into him. No shallow roots, no shallow roots. And let your lives be built on him. He is the foundation. He is the foundation. 
How many know that the foundation of a structure or a house is very important to how high the building goes? Okay. Then your faith will grow what? Strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love this scripture. Paul says, listen, as you have accepted Jesus, now you need to continue some things. You need to continue some things. You need to grow. Come on. Someone say grow. We don't just stop and, oh, yay, my ticket's punched. I'm on my way to heaven. No, we need to grow. We need to grow. Our roots need to go down into him. Our foundation of our lives needs to be built on Jesus because every other foundation will crumble. If we settle for the earthly counterfeit, our lives will eventually crumble. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth. Hmm? Could it be that in this season, your faith hasn't grown strong, but it's grown weak because your life hasn't continued to follow the ways and the mission and the vision that God has for your life? Could it be? Could it be? So here's what's on my heart for you. There are many in here today that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but maybe your roots haven't grown and your foundation hasn't been built on him. And this is why your faith has been wavering in this season. So I believe it's time. It's time to do a few things in order for you to follow God's vision for your life. Number one, maybe it's time to commit my whole life to God. Maybe it's time to commit my whole life to God. You see, the creator of the universe wants you to know him in a very personal and intimate way. He knows you very well, but he wants you to know him. Someone said, well, I've already given my life to Jesus. I've accepted him for the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, you, you are saved, and, um, but a lot of times we settle just at the thought of salvation, and we miss the thought of transformation. There's a theological word that they taught us in Bible college called sanctification. It is the process in which we journey as we follow Jesus. We've accepted him, and the Bible says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we've called upon his name. Our sins have been forgiven, but now we go through this process of sanctification. When does the process of sanctification end? Not until we lead this earth suit. We are continually being transformed. Romans says you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there must be a mind shift. There must be different thinking. Like I can't think like the world wants me to think and like the culture is telling me to think in this season. I'm not going to allow fear and doubt and hopelessness to drive me. No, I'm going to transform my mind. How many ever liked the series Transformers? Come on. I love that series, right? I love those movies. And, and, and a car would turn into this huge robot, right? And I, I like that imagery because it, it shows us in Romans that we too can transform. Like we're going to have thoughts come at us, right? We're going to have worldly thoughts. We're going to, the culture screaming at us as we walk out these doors, but we can transform those thoughts into what God's vision for our life is. And so you say, man, that's me. I, I love God. I'm saved, but I really haven't committed my whole life to God. A lot of people come to the church and they haven't committed their whole life to him. Committing one's life wholeheartedly to Christ is a continual 
process. We do not arrive at a spot. And anybody who tells you, I have arrived spiritually, I have came to the finish line, they're lying to you or they're dead. And if they're talking to you and they're dead, we got major issues. <laughs> Come on, laugh a little bit. Uh, I'm so hungover from Turkey. Some of you thought I was going to say something else. Maybe it's time to commit my whole life to God. Just as you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, continue, continue, continue to allow your roots to go down, continue to build your life on him. Then your faith will grow. God, I give you everything, even the parts that I'm ashamed of, even the areas of my heart where I've been reluctant to share with anybody. God, I give you that too. You know, there's been times in my life where I haven't given God my whole heart. You know, I pull back on some things. Well, God, I want you to do that part, but this right here, yeah, they, they hurt me pretty bad. I'm going to hold on to that for a minute. Right? Huh? Unforgiveness. Anybody deal with that? Just me, probably. Y'all are good. Pray for you, Pastor. And I've been reluctant to release everything to God. I've been reluctant to give him some of the habits that I know. Man, they're not leading me down the right path. Like I know if I, if I go down that path, it's just going to open up a door for the old ways, right? Yeah. And so we have to continually continue. Someone say continue. That means we don't stop. That means I live a life of daily surrender. First thing I do in the morning, I... I uh, I quote this scripture before I try to, before my feet hit the ground. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and I make the choice. It's a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. I make that choice. I set that. And I pray for favor, wisdom, and anointing on me, my kids, my staff, my elders, and you. I pray that every day. Favor, wisdom, anointing. Favor, wisdom, anointing. Right? And then I go into a posture of, God, I give you this day. I give you my mind. I give you my body. I surrender it to you daily, continually, continually. Why? Because if I don't do that, I'm going to settle for the earthly counterfeit. I'm going to think today's all about me. It's all about me finding my, making my name great and making a dollar. And I'm going to, I'm going to cave into that. And so we got to live this life that we wholeheartedly give everything. Matthew six thirty three. seek first. What? The kingdom of God above all what? Above everything. Live that God first life, right? That's what we're all trying to do. Live that God first life and he will give you everything else you need. Hmm? How many times have I been seeking everything else but God first? Come on, you try to work things out on your own. The arm of the flesh, we call it, right? I just, just got to work this out. But when's the last time you just said, God, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give this to you. I'm actually going to surrender this to you. I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to do my part, right? Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Committing your whole life to Christ. You know, Christianity does not work halfway. It doesn't work. If you try to have one foot in the world, and one foot in the church, eventually you get split. 
That hurts. It'll be uncomfortable, right? And, and, And all of us have been there. We're struggling with some past sins, or we're struggling with shame, and we're struggling. We feel this pull of temptation, and we're like, man, I want, we, we feel like Paul. I want to do what's right, but I keep going to what's wrong. I want, I, in my flesh, it, my flesh and the spirit, they're just battling it. My spirit wants to serve God and do things that are right, but my flesh keeps trying to pull me away. Hmm? Doesn't work halfway. Christianity doesn't work out. That's like saying I want to be, make it to the NBA, but I don't ever want to pick up a basketball and practice. I'm going to be in the NBA one day, but I never shoot free throws. I never pick up a basketball. It doesn't work that way. As Christ followers, we live a life, a continual life of committing our life to Jesus Christ. It's not just a one-time event. Now, salvation is you are saved, you're on your way to heaven, but now we must continue. There must be continual growth. No, we don't expect it overnight. No, we don't expect it overnight. But as you follow him, we're going to see you grow spiritually, right? As you hear the word, as you apply the word, there will be spiritual growth in your life. So salvation is to surrender everything at the foot of Jesus. Salvation is a continual thought that we must give our life wholly to God every day. So maybe it's time, maybe it's time for you to commit your whole life to God. Number two, maybe it's time for you to, sur- to surround yourself with the right relationships. This is a big one right here. This is a big one right here. Right relationships. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Now, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to each other for healing. You need some people in your life that you can be real with. Not everybody, but you need a few people that you can let your guard down. You need a few people that you can bear your soul to, you can vent to, you can cry to. Not everybody, but you need somebody in your life. It is not healthy to keep things bottled up. We all know people who bottle stuff up, and what happens eventually, the bottle pops. And that's not fun to be around. Hopefully nobody had a Thanksgiving like that. But I can imagine in this room, there's probably somebody who did, right? Surround yourself with the right relationships. How you choose your friends will determine your future because it is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. People that have a different vision, they have, they have the earthly counterfeit. They're all about themselves. They're all about making a dollar. They're all about discovering their platform. They're all about me, 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 me. So you're going to hang around those people. Eventually, you're going to get drawn back to those things. I'll never forget this. Uh, my first year of Bible college, and here I was. I was, uh, what was I, 18, 19 years old, going to Bible college, and uh, I, I stayed in the dorm room the first year. Oh, what fun that was. A lot of unusual smells coming out of the men's dorm room at World Harvest Bible College. And uh, here I was, man, I was just on fire for God. I had just came out of a lifestyle living for the devil, pretty much, um, and doing my thing all through high school. And then I I finally committed my life to Christ, and I said, I'm going to go to Bible college. And man, I'm just on fire for God, and I'm trying to figure out who my friends are going to be, you know, a lot of new people. And so we're hanging out, and about three weeks in, I realized I'm hanging with the wrong crew. 
Like all they want to do is go to Applebee's and get half price appetizers and wink at the girls across the table and try to find them a girl, you know? No, that's what I came out of. And here I'm thinking, I'm going to Bible college. Everybody's there is there for Jesus. Wrong. <laughs> Not everybody was there for Jesus. Some were there for Susie. <laughs> and so about three weeks in, I had to, I, I really discovered, I remember calling my dad like, man, I, these guys, man, they, they're just chasing girls and a couple of them partying and things like that. And you know, he just said, listen, not everybody there is, is there for Jesus, and not everybody there is living the right life. You have to choose your friends wisely. And it's the same. I know we say that to young people, and I say that to my kids all the time, but it's the same no matter how old you are. It never changes, because if you get around negative, pessimistic people who say, man, God's really not real. You believe in God? You believe in a God that would allow a pandemic to happen? Come on now. You get around people who are just filling you with doubt and unbelief, then that's what eventually you will become. So we got to surround ourselves with the right people. That's why we have small groups. Small groups are awesome. All my small group people give me a big woohoo. Woo See that? You could be woohooing. <laughs> Next semester, February, new small groups. No, and, and we don't just. We don't have small groups just to say we have small groups. There is a purpose. This church is built on groups because life change happens best in circles rather than rows, right? And so you need to get around the right people. Proverbs 13, 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. When you hang around fools, you become foolish. If you want to be wise, find someone who's walking in the direction you're going. Find someone who's further ahead in their relationship with Christ. Find someone, if you're struggling in your finances, find someone who's, who's overcame debt and, and is wise with their money. Not someone who blows their whole check before they get it. If you want to work on your marriage, find a couple who's strong in their marriage. Not someone who's cheating on each other. Come on, somebody. Find someone who's putting God first. If you, if you want to raise up godly kids, find somebody who's raising their kids in the, the ways of the Lord and put, making church a priority, not an option. Whatever you hang around, that's what you're going to become. So we got to continue. Someone say continue. And I'm going to fly through the last two points because the keyboard player is here to tell me I'm out of time. That's why he's here. That's why he's here. I want you to continue to let your roots grow deep. Even in this season, God is growing some of you so strong right now. Your faith is growing. Well, you're doing way better than you think. I just want to tell somebody today, you're doing way better than you think. A lot's came at you this year, but you're doing way better than you think. Maybe it's time, number three, to discover my God-given purpose. No one has ever lived only for themselves and fulfilled God's purposes for their lives. You hear that? Rick Warren, he wrote this in Purpose Driven Life, powerful book. You should read it sometime. He says this, and I quote, nothing matters more than knowing God's purposes for your life, and nothing can compensate for not knowing them, not success, wealth, fame, or pleasure. Without a purpose, life is motion without meaning. 
activity without direction and events without reason without a purpose life is trivial petty and pointless end of quote not true you and I were created not to just exist but to do something Ephesians 2 10 says for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what good works Paul talks about there's different gifts given to the body of Christ and everybody in the sound of my voice has been given gifts and you have to discover that gift and purpose and that's why we have the local church to help you to discover your purpose right there's a gift in you whether you see it or not whether you recognize it or not you were created to do good works and God tailor made a gift a purpose just for you he tailor made it that only you can fulfill I can't do it for you only you can do that and so people think, you know, what, what I do doesn't matter in the church or what I do doesn't really make a difference. I'm just teaching little four or five-year-olds. No, it's making a difference. No, it's making a difference. What me smiling at the front doors when people are walking in, feeling down. No, it's making a difference. Your welcome home could be the welcome home that they needed to hear could be the very thing that triggers a life change in somebody to say, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ today. Your smile, your love that you give out in the lobby. Come on, somebody. It's making a difference. When all of us do a little, together we do a lot. We're going to see that next week. We're going to see that next week. And number four, as I wrap up, maybe it's time to live my life doing something that matters. Right? We need to know that time is short. I know we've been hitting this a lot in this series, but it's so true. Time is short, and as each day passes, we have less time. I want to try to live my life with a sense of urgency, knowing my days are numbered. Psalms 90, 12, it says this, teach us, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should, that each day is a gift. Each day is a gift. Imagine if all of us really focused on what really mattered. What, what really matters? There's just a couple things that really matter when it's all said and done. God matters, right? God matters. Uh, people matter, right? And eternity matters. If you just want to boil down life, those, those three things. God matters. I, I need God in my life. People, I need some people in my life. Yes, I need my family. They matter. I need some people that I can walk with through life and I can do life with. And eternity matters. Like what I do on this earth, what I do serving the local church, what I do serving people that I work with outside of the local church, it, it really matters. The seeds of generosity that I sow and the prayers that I give to people that are even far from God but are struggling, like, like that matters. The invites that I give, like they matter. Me giving of my finances to the house of God, that, that matters because that's storing up heavenly treasures. So God matters, people matter, and eternity matters. So I just want to encourage you today with that. Let's continue. Someone say continue. Let's continue to follow him. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to give our whole life to God. Let's continue to surround ourselves with the right people. Let's continue to discover our God-given talents and, and our purpose. And let's continue to live for the life after this life. Let's continue to live for eternity. Amen.
Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, your word that breathes life into us, your word that changes us. Lord, we are grateful for this house that you have planted us in. And I know these people here today, they have a heart for your house. They're here to worship you. They're here to serve you. They're here to love on each other. And Lord, in this season, we all need that. We all need to be reminded of the vision for our lives. We don't want to stumble in the dark. We don't want to cast off restraint, just kind of live however we want to live. We don't want to subscribe to the counterfeit, the earthly counterfeit that this culture tells us to live by. But we know you have a vision for us, and we want to continue to walk out that vision for our lives. We believe as we do, we are most blessed. (laughs) We are most blessed when we follow your plan, not our plan, but your plan for our lives. We thank you for that. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today, and maybe you find yourself far from God. We never want to close an experience without giving you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus, placing your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, you and I have sins in our life, and there was a Savior who went to the cross to pay the penalty of those sins so we wouldn't have to. And as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he did die upon that cross for our sins, the Bible says we are now saved. And that is the starting point to our spiritual journey. And we want to invite you. We're going to say this prayer with you in just a moment. Before we pray, while heads are bowed, if you're here today and you say, Jacob, that's me, include me in on this prayer. I want to give my life to Christ for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life. Would you just throw up that hand wherever you are in the auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So many hands going up. Anyone else want to invite Jesus into their life? Thank you. I see that hand in the very back. Awesome. Awesome. Let's say this with them, church. Say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I believe you died upon that cross for my sins. I repent of those sins, and I make you the Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.